Hi, welcome to my podcast. This is the Joyful Podcast. My name is Ethan Sherritt, and I'm trying to share things with you to experience slightly more joy as you go on your life. Increasingly joyful life, that's the goal here. I used to have a longer intro, but that's it. The Joyful Podcast for an increasingly joyful life. Hope you're doing well. Uh, today, I do have an interview and a co-host uh, type of format to share with you. Conversation between me and somebody else this time. Not just between uh, me and and me. Or me and you. So this time, it's going to be me and a friend named Tom. And let me set that up a little bit. First of all, check in with you and say that I um, hope things are going well. Thank you for your patience as I continue to crack at this thing and um, try and make my own life uh, (laughs) a little better as I'm uh, sharing uh, some stories with you and things like that. Um, Career changes are going on. Big things going on. Um, So it might help me to do more of uh, the podcasting so that I can kind of stay balanced a little bit. Let's segue from that. So how do I stay balanced? Um, Well, it helps to have friends listening to this thing and being able to give it a voice. Um, The segue is friends. I I, I have conversations with people sometimes and sometimes they're, they're cool enough and the timing works out that they will actually be an episode of the podcast. I mean, I love that. Like a good conversation with a, a sharing friend who says, "Yeah, dude, you can let's let's do it. Let's let's uh, give and uh, be open about this." That's cool. That's one of the reasons I do this. Well, um, you know, so I consider that a friend, and I wanted to share this from. Uh, how do I know from work from work um, some people have friends in a lot of different ways there's like a few big ways we get like our lifelong friends right um, you have friends from school or for like classmates from long ago hey I've known you know my buddy since uh, we were in kindergarten together or since we got it in the fifth grade um, you you go to college and you meet people in dorms those are like really close friends that last forever. I mean, I have circles of friends who I wasn't in their dorm life, like budding of their friendship when they all like, um, you know, were roommates on the same floor of a dorm or something like that together. But I see that like tight bond that still goes on. And I'm, I'm lucky just to be a friend within those circles of friends because I wasn't there. I did this little... Um, community college type of thing then transferred to a major university for undergrad so missed out on the dorm thing was doing my own thing um the greek thing oh man i love the uh the greek life if you are in a fraternity or were in a fraternity most likely you're not listening to this podcast <laughs> it just doesn't seem like the greek type of uh Thing. But maybe because, man, every time I meet somebody who, uh, like, maybe I went to school with them or 
they're they're excited about their school and they want to know if I was in the Greek system because they're so happy to talk about it and what and what a wonderful thing that was in their life and they they sure still have friends um, from that system another way to get friends uh, sports if you were on a sports team another way to get friends uh, you played soccer with somebody you played uh, on a competitive football team basketball team something like that those are gonna be your your home girls or your homeboys depending on what your gender is um, you know if you you got through some stuff together on a football team man those are gonna be your friends for a long time another way is how do you get friends this is kind of a cool thing that I've observed really closely in my family the military you want some friends join the military um, I, I've observed it in like um, my, my brother is a, was part of an elite special forces military outfit my my dad my, my sister my stepmother um, friends just so so thick and so close uh, because you got through such like a disciplined uh, lifestyle together like from whether it was boot camp or some kind of other training where everybody had to adopt the same types of uh, disciplines to the point that it became like their their lifestyle um, and they do that together so it's like this amazing sense of camaraderie uh, between like my brother and the guys that he was in like that unit with um, that I man you can't help but just be in awe of it like wow you guys are you guys know each other more intimately than a lot of people know uh, their own family members that's some cool friendship right there um, is there any other way how else do you get friends from Facebook <laughs> meeting people on social media and becoming that good of friends I don't think that really compares um, those but uh but hopefully you can if you have an open heart and people are willing to, to meet uh, or, uh, or be there for each other in, in those circles. There are probably others. If you have insights about that, always email me, ethansharrett at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you, for sure. Um, but all those ways to get friends, I kind of... I seem to have eliminated myself from the possibility of, of each of those. Uh, almost entirely I did move around from school to school so you know classmates from like early on you know wasn't in contact with um, I moved from my my buddies playing baseball out in one state in Colorado left that area and moved to uh, another place and just kind of had a, a different I didn't even play didn't continue playing baseball um, maybe because I was leaving friends behind and, and didn't have friends on the new team um, who knows it is uh, and then uh, kind of pursuing 15 or more years as like chasing this uh, goal uh, to have a, a career as an actor so basically living a gig to gig type of existence for for a large part of that rather than like this um, uh, stabilized uh, you know circle of co-workers or something like that um, 
instead, like constantly differing, you know, spheres of uh, of, of interpersonal uh, relationships. So, effectively, Ethan said, "Man, all those ways people get friends, I don't want them." Turns out, I. Don't, I don't want friends. Yes, I do. I desperately and dearly want friends. And it, it's nice to have them all the time. It's just, you know, I, I, don't, I haven't done those those long-lasting uh, friendships a whole lot because uh, just of the, the way it's, it's shaken out for me. Um and, and staying geographically close to people and, and keeping up. So if you are a friend of mine, Brian, thank you again for listening. You are one of my dearest friends, old Brian. Actually, most people named Brian are pretty awesome, aren't they? Because um, I got a lot of friends with that name. Ah, there's one guy who's not awesome, but he's awesome in his own way. Uh, let's see. Uh, the reason I was talking about that friend thing is because how do I know this guy who I'm interviewing, Tom? Well, I met him through work. And maybe my friendship doesn't uh, go back that far. But, again, it's about that openness. And when I when I see that, that's what I was like, Tom, come on, man, share this story. And he, and he was open to it. He was down. And I want you to, to uh, know that. Yeah, friend. But... You know, knew him for a few months, talked to him a lot, and then eventually gave you this little conversation. Um, and what you can expect, number one, is it a longer episode. So it's not like the kind of engaging that you're going to say, like, oh, listen, the first part of it now, and then it's not like, and then you're going to want to be like, I'll oh, listen to the second part later. So please, do when you have some chores to do that are going to take you like an hour and a half, or you're on a long road trip or something like that, or uh, you're on a run, or, or when you're going to be an hour and a half, you know, listen to it then, so you can like, so you're not like uh, bored out of your mind, or forget to listen to the next part, because the kind of the end is cool, but only when you listen to the beginning. Um, Tom is a unique, 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 is a unique guy, uh, he's a positive guy, he's just absolutely genuine, that's one of the reasons that um, people like that are fun to listen to and talk to and be friends with. Uh, you're going to hear stories about addiction from just a no-nonsense type of uh, perspective. You're going to get a little bit of a legal and uh, slash criminal insight about about the stories. And for a little bit, there's an interruption from somebody who comes into the office, like a customer that comes into my office and we uh, chit-chat about, like, sports for a while. <laughs> Please hang in there. I think even that is sometimes funny when that happens. It reminds me that, um, or reminds me, it made me think of if I knew how to cut hair or something, I, it'd be fun to, like, be a barber. Just be that part of people's day when you just shoot the shoot the uh, crap about sports. And um, <laughs> it's a fun job. wouldn't want to cut hair, though. I wouldn't want to touch people's heads. Um but made me think of that, so hang in there after that uh, that little uh, interjection of somebody coming in and we talk to him for a while. We get right back on it, and uh, and we'll talk to Tom. So please, tell me what you think. Enjoy this episode. Thank you once again. And I was like, well, listen, Matt. I was going to tell you later on 
that I got a new job. I was just trying to get this round of golf in before you say I couldn't play. But I'm, I'm, I'm just going to come pick up my check at the end of the week. All right. And that was that. So I started this new job, and the new job's not bad. It's not really what my cup of tea, but yeah, I drive around a forklift. They pay me fourteen fifty an hour. Mm-hmm. The, the people that work there are fun people, laughs and all that. And the company, like the, the, the three weeks I've been there, uh, Wednesday night they took us all out, like a employee appreciation thing over at this uh, tap house joint around the corner or something. Something tap house. Oh, yeah. What's it called? Industrial tap house. Industrial tap house. The owner was there. I met the owner. Mm-hmm. They were buying us all free drinks and free food. And he golfs. And he's like, well, listen, my manager golfs too. <clears throat> Sometimes we we need to fill a spot. If I have to fill a spot, I'm going to pull you out the warehouse, pay you for the day, and you're going to come play with us. And I was like, all right, well, that sounds good. So that was that. But um, And then I met a guy. Dude, it looks like your two-year golf drought is going to come to an end in a major way. And I play good, dude. It's like riding a bike. Like I don't think I can shoot in the 70s like I used to, mm-hmm. but if I drop a ball right now and just tee it up, I'm definitely going to be in the 80s somewhere. Hmm. And any, but people will die to shoot in the 80s. Yeah. But Are you the kind of guy that pays for tips and stuff like that every now and then? You're going to get like tip from a coach? and. No, I just, I learned how to play golf by ordering Golf Digest. Okay. And I, I went by everything that Jack Nicklaus, how he learned. I used all his tips. From grip to finger pressure Grips and all to that. chipping, to, yeah. feet placement pronation, uh, reverse pivoting, it's all probably gibberish to you. No, I, I can see how. But a lot of guys... Go, it's really subtle, some of the things that you have to work on. I even went as far as, I was so into golf, I didn't pick it up till I was 30. From 30 to 41, Yeah. I played like crazy. I built my own putting green in my basement, drilled <laughs> holes, putting all the time. I used to go as far as balancing my balls in water to find the center of the ball so I can mark it and that's where I would putt from I got I was dude you gotta get in tournaments <laughs> no really I'm not do. that good bro just little amateur tournaments yeah I'm not that good Seems I mean like you'd be mopping the I, don't, I, don't pl- I don't play a lot but okay. I want to get back into it um, so then while I was working at this company this company up the road is convenient for me because like I told you I lost my license until June Mm-hmm. I gave my license back. Our driver's June. license. Yeah, yeah, I lost my license for, from June. I told you what happened to me with the yeah the issue, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I lost my license till June. So this company is a, a ten minute walk up the road. Mm-hmm. My father usually drives me in the morning, and then I know so many people there. Just, what time you got to get there? The hours are crazy, man. I don't like the hours at all. They're ten in the morning to six thirty at night. Oh, yeah, you, were te- you texted me that you get off to six. Crazy but... hours. And then some guy came in there, because I also know how to work on... Some people would kill for that. You don't have to roll into work yeah, until I 10. Know, but I don't like... I like getting out, shit out the way. Okay. But uh, some guy... I know how to work on small engines, like ch- chainsaws, weed whackers, snow blowers, mm-hmm. uh, lawn mowers, lawn equipment. And this yeah, company, right. this company deals with... It's a... RBI, it's a small engine repair, it's a small engine supply company. So a customer came in last week, I'm starting for him next week, part-time. 
he comes in and he's like, yeah, I'm looking for someone to help me out. I'm, I'm swamped, I'm by myself. And I was like, well, where are you at? And he's like, I'm right up the road. It's on Mountain Bolt Mountain Road okay. off of Route 1. He's got a little small engine shop where he fixes and repairs. No sales, just repairs. So I went over there last Saturday. He had, I swear to God, he had like 100 lawnmowers to be fixed. And I'm like, what do you tell customers when they come in? Like, I'm dropping my lawnmower off to be f fixed. He's like, I tell, it's one of a I tell, I tell him, uh, I tell him it's going to be about three weeks. And he's by himself. I said, how come you don't have somebody working for you? He's like, I'm stupid, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I would say so. You, 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 you got you to gotta get this shit out. You know, like, a guy will come and be like, yeah, here's my lawnmower. I need this fixed. It's just a little something, you know. And then you turn around and say, well, I got about 100 a little somethings in the back. Just a little something, but yeah. So we're talking like riding mowers or some of these Anything. things? Anything. Riding mowers, power. push mowers, Jeez. landscape, big, you know, uh, oh. industrial shit. Mm -hmm. He does it all by himself. So I told him, with my hours, the license thing is killing me. I mean, I'm going to buy a brand new truck come July. How long have you been with no license now? I've been with no license since uh, I lost it for some stupid shit. I didn't have my insurance on. I, my insurance lapsed. Yeah. So they took my license away for one year. So it's been since June. Okay. But I get it back. But now <clears throat> I've been, you know, saving money. I'm going to buy a brand new truck when I get my license back. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and Why I'm going to get... Why are you going to blow all that money? Huh? Why are you going to blow all that money? Well, I worked for Ford for so many years. Yeah. If I buy a brand new Ford vehicle, uh -huh. <clears throat> I pay I pay cost. Oh wow! It's a benefit that it's a perk that you get for for working for the company. So, like, if I go in there and you're the dealer, you're you're the salesman, yeah. And I tell you I'm on the A plan, you're rolling your eyes because you ain't making no money. So he's just like gonna tell you what they got to do. He's just getting the sales. Yeah. A lot of times, I've thought I bought new vehicles before. I don't tell them until the end. Oh, by the way, I'm on the A plan. Why didn't you fucking tell me that in the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But he, of uh, course, dude. He, um, of course. I'm going to get something new. You know, it's about time we get something new. Well, I don't know when the last time you bought something new is, but. I know it's not they're, cheap. They're amazing nowadays, right? What do you like? No, uh, I got a 2012. And. For me, I jumped up like 10 years. Pay, you make payments? Yeah, I still make payments. See, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get done with that. You know, I just, it was one of the situations, just like anything else, like I was in a situation, I needed means to an end. And I was like, I didn't get a great deal, but I got a great vehicle. And uh, so I'll, I'll work on making the deal better later. Yeah, I mean, I... Either unload it or um, get a, a I've had new vehicles ramp. before. I bought a, a Ranger one time. I bought an F-250. I'm just I saying, nowadays, with, like, everything has, like, there's no key. You just get in and the thing starts. I don't know, but... Yeah, my dad got a cars. brand new Ford, like, two two years oh, ago. Oh, even a Ford got it like that? Oh, a for, oh the Ford um, pickup truck that he got. It's, um... I'm going to get a Ranger. So I'm going to get a small impact Ranger with the, with the, with the Super Cab. Okay. Yeah, I bet it's going to have rear camera, it, side camera. It's so senseless. activated, everything. I feel like it's senseless to buy a vehicle, a car, because at least with a truck, you can pick up furniture if you buy something or work out of it or 
Yeah. You know, you buy a car, you can't do shit. I with feel it. that way with it. What do you? What kind of car? What do you got? It's a van. It's a minivan. Oh, so you can. You it's can. like this. Uh, you know, and if you have a, a young kid, probably I don't know how long it's gonna really help, but for those doors to open sideways, mm. and especially automated by themselves, automated, yeah, quick button. Back. You know, just, I mean, just think about the angle that a door it pivots open. You're going around it where you can fit in. A van door opens, slides open sideways. That's nice. It's like the door just disappears. The kid goes right in. It depends on how much it is. I don't want a cra- I, don't, I don't want a crazy payment. I mean, right now, my situation with 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 with, with uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, my address is with my sister, but I stay most of the time here. Okay. Because of their health and helping them out, and nice. they can't do shit as far they can't even take garbage out to the dumpster. But um, well, I was thinking, I was thinking about getting a truck. You know, whether I go to my only thing is buying it, buying it from a, from a used car dealer. I don't trust people, man. I, I never trust people. Like, I know you get a warranty, right, but the warranty ain't for that long. Right. So if I buy a brand new vehicle, then you got a five-year warranty. Does anything not say as is? I mean, it's it's all you're signing this thing that says as is. You never know what's wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that happened to me in L.A. I, I, I got the van, and, you know, I signed the thing that says as is because it just seemed totally legit. I mean, it just seemed really good shape. Yeah. And then there was this one thing that, like, two or three weeks later, it needed. Yeah. That was, like, a big expense. Well, there's always uh, they, some kind of warranty. They helped me out a little bit. Since it was under the 30 days... Uh, that's not enough. They, they looked into the details of it and they were like, well, this is outside of what we said we would cover. So, we, so it's just incidental. incidental. Um, but you, I, you pay for the extended warranty. I yeah. asked this I asked this previously, like I knew this, this buddy of mine, his dad was like a retired uh, mechanic, lifelong Volkswagen mechanic, specifically Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let me, let me let my dad's shop look at it. And they called Volkswagen for me and just said, look, obviously you have the fine print that protects you from having to do anything, but can you do something? Yeah. So they like, you know, threw a few bucks my way. I mean, that's why you get a brand new vehicle, you get the five-year warranty, anything yeah. goes wrong, uh, bumper to bumper, they take care of it, which is worth it. I just don't know if I can afford that Not now. Now, I met a good girl. Good girl. She makes, she makes a good, lot of money. Yeah. And she's she's totally different than the rest. Don't man. mess this up, Tom. No, I'm not done. <laughs> she's a black girl, too. Did I, yeah. I showed you a picture of her? No. Dude, she, she works for the post office. I met her online. Mm-hmm. She was married once. I never Don't did. give any names. Remember, we're recording this. All right. I never... Are we? Yeah. I never did. Oh, I didn't tell you I was going to record our conversation? Yeah, for what? I don't know. But that's okay. <laughs> It was, it's for my podcast. <laughs> but we uh, we hit it off, man. She's a good girl. She's like got a great heart. She's pretty. She's successful. She's kind. She doesn't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt. I want simple and stress-free. Yeah. She wants simple and stress-free. And I never had that. I had two wives. It was never simple and stress-free. There was always bullshit going on. Mm-hmm. And... They didn't work. It's not that I'm not good at marriage. I just didn't have the right woman. Mm. I was always the breadwinner. This woman made... you got to learn things from marriage. I mean, nobody's perfect at it. I had a beautiful... And I was like, well, listen, Matt. 
I was going to tell you later on that I got a new job. I was just trying to get this round of golf in before you say I couldn't play. But I'm, I'm, I'm just going to come pick up my check at the end of the week. All right. And that was that. So I started this new job, and the new job's not bad. It's not really what my cup of tea, but yeah, I drive around a forklift. They pay me fourteen fifty an hour. Mm-hmm. The, the people that work there are fun people, laughs and all that. And the company, like the, the, the three weeks I've been there, uh, Wednesday night they took us all out, like an employee appreciation thing over at this uh, tap house joint around the corner or something. Something tap house. Oh. Yeah. What's it called? Industrial Tap House. Industrial Tap House. The owner was there. I met the owner. Mm-hmm. They were buying us all free drinks and free food. And he golfs. And he's like, well, listen, my manager golfs too. <clears throat> Sometimes we we need to fill a spot. If I have to fill a spot, I'm going to pull you out the warehouse, pay you for the day, and you're going to come play with us. And I was like, all right, well, that sounds good. So that was that. But um, And then I met a guy. Dude, it looks like your two-year golf drought is going to come to an end in a major way. And I play good, dude. It's like riding a bike. Like I don't think I can shoot in the 70s like I used to, mm-hmm. but if I drop a ball right now and just tee it up, I'm definitely going to be in the 80s somewhere. Mm-hmm. And anybody, people will die to shoot in the 80s. Yeah. But Are you the kind of guy that pays for tips and stuff like that every now and then? You're going to get like tips from a coach? and. No, I just... I learned how to play golf by ordering Golf Digest. Okay. And I, I went by everything that Jack Nicholas, how he learned. I used all his tips. From grip to finger pressure Grips and all to that. Chip to chip in, yeah. feet placement, pronation, uh, reverse pivoting. It's all probably gibberish to you. No, I, I can see how. But a lot of guys... It's really subtle, some of the things that you have to work on. I even went as far as I was so into golf. I didn't pick it up till I was thirty. From thirty to forty-one, yeah, I played like crazy. I built my own putting green in my basement, drilled <laughs> holes, putting all the time. I used to go as far as balancing my balls in water to find the center of the ball so I can mark it, and that's where I would putt from. I got. I was. Dude, you got to get in tournaments. <laughs> no, really I'm not do. that good, bro. Just little amateur tournaments. Yeah, I'm not that good. Seems I mean, like you'd be mopping the I don't, floor I don't, of pl- I don't play a lot. But okay. I want to get back into it. Um, so then, while I was working at this company, this company up the road is convenient for me because, like I told you, I lost my license until June. Mm-hmm. I get my license back. A driver's June. license. Yeah, yeah, I lost my license from from June. I told you what happened to me with the yeah the issue, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I lost my license till June. So this company is a, a ten minute walk up the road. Mm-hmm. My father usually drives me in the morning, and then I know so many people there. Just, what time you got to get there? The hours are crazy, man. I don't like the hours at all. They're ten in the morning to six thirty at night. Oh yeah, you were te- you texted me that you get off at six. Crazy hours. And then some guy came in there, because I also know how to work on... Some people would kill for that. You don't have to roll into work yeah, until 10. Yeah, but I don't like... I like getting out, shit out of the way. Okay. But uh, some guy... I know how to work on small engines, like ch- chainsaws, weed whackers, snow blowers, mm-hmm. uh, mowers, lawn equipment. And this company right? this company deals with... It's a RBI. It's a small engine repair. It's a small engine supply company. So a customer came in last week. 
I'm starting for him next week, part-time. He comes in, and he's like, yeah, I'm looking for someone to help me out. I'm, I'm swamped. I'm by myself. And I was like, well, where are you at? He's like, I'm right up the road. It's on Mountain Bolt Mountain Road okay. off of Route 1. He's got a little small engine shop where he fixes and repairs. No sales, just repairs. So I went over there last Saturday. He had, I swear to God, he had like 100 lawnmowers to be fixed. And I'm like, what do you tell customers when they come in? Like, I'm dropping my lawnmower off to be fixed. He's like, I tell, I tell, I tell him, uh, I tell him it's going to be about three weeks. And he's by himself. I said, how come you don't have somebody working for you? He's like, I'm stupid, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I would say so. You, 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 you got you to gotta get this shit out. You know, like, a guy will come and be like, yeah, here's my lawnmower. I need this fixed. It's just a little something, you know? And then you turn around and say, well, I got about 100 a little somethings in the back. Just a little something, but yeah. So we're talking like riding mowers or some of these Anything. things? Anything. Riding mowers, push mowers, Jeez. landscape, big, you know, uh, oh. industrial shit. Mm -hmm. He does it all by himself. So I told him, with my hours, the license thing is killing me. I mean, I'm going to buy a brand new truck come July. How long have you been with no license now? I've been with no license since, uh, I lost it for some stupid shit. I didn't have my insurance on, I, my insurance lapsed. Yeah. So they took my license away for one year. So it's been since June. Okay. But I get it back. But now, <clears throat> I've been, you know, saving money. I'm going to buy a brand new truck when I get my license back. Oh yeah? Yeah, and Why I'm going to get- Why you blow all that money? Huh? Why are you going to blow all that money? Well, I worked for Ford for so many years. Yeah. If I buy a brand new Ford vehicle, uh -huh. <clears throat> I pay I pay cost. Oh wow! It's a benefit that it's a perk that you get for for working for the company. So, like, if I go in there and you're the dealer, you're you're the salesman, yeah. And I tell you I'm on the A plan, you're rolling your eyes because you ain't making no money. So he's just like gonna tell you what they got. He's inventory. just getting the sales. Oh. Just, yeah. A lot of times, I've thought I've bought new vehicles before. I don't tell them until the end. Oh, by the way, I'm on the A plan. Why didn't you fucking tell me that in the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But he, of course, uh, dude. He, um, of course. I'm gonna get something new. You know, it's about time we get something new. Well, I don't know when the last time you bought something new is, but I know it's not they're, cheap. They're amazing nowadays, right? What you do you like? Got? No, uh, I got a 2012, and. For me, I jumped up like 10 years. You pay, when I got that you make payments? Yeah, I still make payments. See, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get done with that. You know, I just, it was one of the situations, just like anything else, like I was in a situation, I needed means to an end. And I was like, I didn't get a great deal, but I got a great vehicle. And uh, so I'll, I'll work on making the deal better later. Yeah, I mean, I... Either unload it or um, get a, a I've had new vehicles plan. before. I bought a, a Ranger one time. I bought an F-250. I'm just I saying, nowadays, with, like, everything has, like, there's no key. You just get in and the thing starts. I don't know, like... Yeah, My dad got a cars. brand new Ford, like, two two years oh, ago. Oh, even a Ford got it like that? Oh, a Ford, oh the Ford um, pickup truck that he got. It's, um... I'm going to get a Ranger. So I'm going to get a small impact Ranger with the, with the, with the Super Cab. Okay. Yeah, I bet it's going to have rear camera, it, side camera. It's so senseless. activated everything. I feel like it's senseless to buy a vehicle, a car, 
because at least with a truck you can pick up furniture if you buy something or work out of it or yeah. you know you buy a car you can't do shit I with feel it. that way about what do you what kind of car what do you got it's a van it's a minivan oh so you can you it's can. like this uh, you know and if you have a, a young kid probably I don't know how long it's going to really help but for those doors to open sideways yeah. and especially automated by themselves automated, yeah, push button back. You know, just, I mean just think about the angle that a door it pivots open you're going around it where you can fit in, a van door opens, slides open sideways. That's nice. It's like the door just disappears. The kid goes right in. It depends on how much it is. I don't want I'm a crazy. I, I don't want a crazy payment. I mean, right now, my situation with 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 with, with uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, my address is with my sister, but I stay most of the time here. Okay. Because of their health and helping them out, and nice. they can't do shit as far. They can't even take garbage out to the dumpster. But um, well, I, was think, around, man. I was thinking about getting a truck, you know, whether I go to, my only thing is buying it, buying it from, a, from a used car dealer. I don't trust people, man. I, I never trust people. Like, I know you get a warranty, but the warranty ain't for that long. Right. So if I buy a brand new vehicle, then you got a five-year warranty. Does anything not say as is? I mean, it's, it's all, you're signing this thing that says as is. You never know what's wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that happened to me in L.A. I, I, I got the van, and, you know, I signed the thing that says as is because it just seemed totally legit. I mean, it just seemed really good shape. Yeah. And then there was this one thing that, like, two or three weeks later, it needed. Yeah. That was, like, a big expense. Well, there's always uh, they, some kind of warranty. They helped me out a little bit. Since it was under the 30 days... Uh, That's not enough. They, they looked into the details of it, and they were like, well, this is outside of what we said we would cover. So, we, so it's just incidental. incidental. Um, but you, I, you pay for the extended warranty. I, yeah. asked this, I asked this previously. Like, I knew this, this buddy of mine. His dad was like a retired uh, mechanic, lifelong Volkswagen mechanic, specifically Volkswagen. Mm. And he's like, let me, let me let my dad's shop look at it. And they called Volkswagen for me and just said, look, obviously you have the fine print that protects you from having to do anything, but can you do something? Yeah. So they like, you know, threw a few bucks my way. I mean, that's why you get a brand new vehicle, you get the five-year warranty, anything yeah. goes wrong, uh, bumper to bumper, they take care of it, which is worth it. I just don't know if I can afford that Not now. Now, I met a good girl. Good girl. She makes, she makes a good, lot of money. Yeah. And she's she's totally different than the rest. Man. Don't mess this up, Tom. No, I'm not trying. <laughs> she's a black girl, too. I, I yeah. I showed you a picture of her? No. Dude, she, she works for the post office. I met her online. Mm -hmm. She was married once. I never Don't did. give any names. Remember, we're recording this. All right. I never... Are we? Yeah. I never did. Oh, I didn't tell you I was going to record our conversation? Yeah, for what? I don't know. But that's okay. <laughs> It was. It's for my podcast. <laughs> but we uh, we hit it off, man. She's a good girl. She's like, got a great heart. She's pretty. She's successful. She's kind. She doesn't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt. I want simple and stress free. Yeah. She wants simple and stress free. And I never had that. I had two wives. It was never simple and stress free. There was always bullshit going on. Mm. And. They didn't work. It's not that I'm not good at marriage. I just didn't have the right woman. Mm. I was always the breadwinner. 
This woman well, you got to learn things from marriage. I mean, nobody's perfect at it. I had a beautiful wife, but she turned into a, a scumbag. Mm. This is my girlfriend now. Now she's black. Yeah. But she ain't bad. She's hey, 40. some people are black. Man. She's some more my age. My wife. My last wife, I'm still married. My wife is uh, 37. I'm 50. She's 40, 48. She's Goodness, 48. She's cute, She's man. got two kids. Holy 18 geez. and 16. And she wants the same things in life that I want. She's she looks great. like 15 years younger than you, though. I know. I'm, that's, that sucks. <laughs> But, no, but man, she, she, not she, if you're there, not she if you doesn't, guys uh, provide something that works out well for each other. She's, she's, she'll do anything for you. She's not materialistic. These things no, don't that's matter a sweet to her. smile. She looks really, really. You know, this morning she says to me, she's like, we went, our first date was at some, uh, Sarah's pancake house or something mm -hmm. in, for, in Richmond here, okay. in Virginia. This morning she says, every year on the, t on, on, the day that we first went there, we're going to go back there and we're going to take a picture and we're going to have a little banner, first year, second year, third year. Like, who does that shit? I come home from work last week, there's, 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 <laughs> there's balloons, a teddy bear, and chocolate covered strawberries for me. Yeah. Congratulating me on the job that I found. Man. She's a good girl. Yeah. A very good girl. Where, how did you meet her? Online on this dating Match? site. No, on some shit Tinder. called. Uh, nope, none of them. Them. Uh, this site is called. Plenty of fish. This site is called Lumen. Lumen. It's it's women, forty and over. Yeah. And they ain't out, they ain't beat for the bullshit. Like you go to Tinder and stuff like that. Yeah. That's all just a hookup site, I think. Yeah. From what I hear, I've never been on a dating. Did site. Did you have to pay for this one? No. Okay. Nope. Lumen. L-U-M-E-N. And my sister told me about it. She was like, you don't know nobody here. Why don't you go on a dating site? She told me plenty of fish. She told me tender. And I was like, Michelle, that's just a hookup site. You know, if I want to get laid, I can go to the fucking local bar. Yeah. And I heard about this one that was more, more sophisticated and more... More, more, everybody wants, like, Lumen. looking for the... I'm going to see if they will sponsor the podcast, since you're talking about how you found, like, this magical connection. Yo, she, uh, Ethan, I swear Lumen. to God, man, this girl's not bad. And I'm not going to fuck it up, because I ain't going to be, I ain't going to lie to you. I was never really a faithful person. Yeah? I would cheat. My father's still giving me shit. He's like, well, what are you going to do with this woman? Hurt her? I mean, your first wife, you fucking, or the, the, the... The uh, what do you call it? The um, reception was going on downstairs, and you were getting a blowjob up in the hotel room. He's like, "Are you gonna do that with this girl? Is that being recorded?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you whether we use your last name, man. Oh my god, who are you gonna play this to? Just the people who listen to my podcast. It's all about just real connection and positivity, and and making. Like better strides. Well, listen, I'm a straight up dude. I'm, I know. I'm dude. honest. That's rare. That's that's one of the reasons I was like, look, whether or not you end up working here or I with think my it's, company, I think it's going to be a red flag. What? As soon as you run the uh, felonies, you can't have a uh, yeah. a person working a complex like this if they have a felony. Now it's not quite five years old. I don't know how it works. Uh, I thought it was seven years old. No, mine. Yeah, I have two. 
Okay. Possession felonies. Okay. When I had an issue, when I had surgery, yeah. and I got hooked on pills, I took it way to the next level. I had two homes, a boat. Yeah. Great job. And within three years, I lost all of that. This particular opiate pill yeah. became the most important thing in my life. My wife woke up one morning and said, Jimmy needs diapers. I was like, huh, I only have enough to get what I need. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. And I'm not that person. I always coached baseball. I was always involved, you know, at the parent-teacher meetings. I was that person. Jimmy, who's Jimmy? Jimmy's my son. Okay. So, yeah, that happened. And uh, it just... What it, was the surgery it, for? It was a back... It was a minor surgery. Nothing... Yeah. nothing what, like, weightlifting or...? No, I heard it skiing. Ah, okay. I was working at Ford Motor Company at the time. Yeah. And I, I went into work on Monday, and I worked for like an hour, and I was like, ah. Oh. And I ended up getting like 50 grand from Ford Motor Company. Okay. For that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because it tweaked while you were at work. It was just me trying to manipulate the system. All right. To be honest. Yeah. So anyway. Because that can be done. Yeah, and I'm not really that kind of person. My one buddy, Jeff, he's a lawsuit. He's Mr. Lawsuit. Is that right? Yeah, but I, that's the only time I ever did some some shady, that's funny, man. shady in, shit like that. In this type of business, uh, like you're so wary of somebody suing your employer, like uh, like with the apartment companies, you know, especially in California. There's just, you gotta be careful. There's lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Anything can happen. Yeah, you send secret shoppers into. Um, you can set shit like up. an apartment office just to make sure your your staff isn't saying something that exposes them to some kind of discrimination suit. Yeah. I mean, I'm the type. They might screw up and say something wrong. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, your your employer yeah. can be sued for freaking god knows how much. I'm the type of person like, if I was at Home Depot and I seen a hazard. And I can take advantage of that hazard. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would run to the manager, and I don't know nobody, and be like, yo, you got something going on over here where somebody can cash in and take care of it. Ah. Uh, I wouldn't be that person. Somebody go over there and be like, ah. Oh. You yeah. know? This was just. But you, you said a you got thought. a buddy that did that? You, yeah. Who, who got, had it? Like, got, that was his perspective. He got paid. He got like four lawsuits, one for like a hundred and something grand, yeah. 80. 70, 80, 100. Dear God. But um, back to what I'm saying, like... This That's an interesting whole thing. So it's like, if it works out for you once, then you see a puddle of uh, a water on the floor. You're not saying, hey, there's some water back there. Somebody might slip. But yeah. You're going, hell yeah. You can walk in front of a... Yeah. You can walk in front of the Marriott. Yeah. Marriott. And it's been snowing for 10 minutes. They ain't got nobody out there yet cleaning that up. Mm -hmm. You slip and fall... Mm -hmm. You're 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 rich. Wow. Now I feel like there's people who shouldn't be uh, who shouldn't be um, awakened to that. You always work Saturdays. You always work Saturdays. Yeah. Damn. Well, not always Saturdays. It's every other Saturday, and I've only been doing that for um, for the the time that I've been here. How long have you been here? About wow. I guess it's been eight nine months now. That's it? Yeah. What are you, uh, superintendent? What, 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 are you, what are you? It's like, um, you know, the manager. I've been in the same line of work with different companies. In California, I was at the same company for four years. 
of, of, of developments like this? Yeah. In, oh, in, in L.A., it was, it was quite a different setup. Even though it's the same field, I was like more of... Um, I don't know, I was more autonomous working before this portfolio of eight different properties. All right. It was cool. I mean, they were all so unique. And You're young. What are you, 38, 39? Yeah, 40, 40-something. 40 40 you, yeah. you look good for your age. Thanks, man. You exercise? You go great. to the gym? Uh, yeah, I do. You got to. At our age? Well, I'm 50, and yeah. I go to the gym all the time. Yeah, nice, man. But Yeah, you're taking care of yourself. I joined the Anytime Fitness, but... um. You have to, man, because if you don't go, like for me. I got to eat more. I, I used to be very good until just the last couple of months about eating a lot of raw fruit and veggies. I've always done that. And but that's somehow, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to you gotta make sure you do that. I I'm couldn't like, fucking do it. I was trying a few weeks ago. I was raw fruit eating and nothing but vegetables. I made this drink where you put uh, a mint leaf in it, some, some lemon, uh, ginger root and water and I, ugh. That supposed horrible. to help you with your Digestive. metabolism and, and 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 like a weight loss, a fat loss, fat mm. burner. I did it for a week, squashed yeah. that idea. <laughs> but like I was saying, back to the opiate thing, that shit became the most important thing in my life. Now, it only lasted three years. A lot of people have been doing it for many, many years. And mm. then through the process, you know, I ended up in jail. I had to go yeah. A program that they sent me to six months but all this stuff that they did yeah it, it saved my life man like I used to bitch and complain sitting in jail saying oh my I didn't do a lot of time eight eight months in jail all right. I, I used to bitch and oh take my me God. back to after the surgery dude because, after the surgery yeah so after the surgery obviously they prescribed me hurts. medication but yeah it was a it was called a microdiscectomy, which is just a shaving of the disc. Nothing, no hardware, nothing major. Okay. The doctor prescribed me 30 10 milligram Percocets. Percocets. Okay, okay, right? So now I finish that and I like them. So I go to him, I say, Can you refill this? He's How like, many are you taking a day? Of you're those? supposed to take one or two On the a day as, as needed. Okay. So I finished them and I go back to him and I said, Dr. Reach, can you refill these? He's like, no, I won't do that. Hmm. You realize this is an epidemic and I, and I didn't realize it because I knew nothing about opiates. I was very unaware about opiates. And you said this is five years ago? This was uh, from when I was 42. So, so eight years ago. Yeah, that's... So now I'd say that was coming on online as has talked about a little bit by then maybe it, that but, was but, eight years but ago. not too much but maybe six years ago it really caught on fire but listen to what i'm saying yeah. he gives me this he refuses to give me another prescription so now i'm like oh where so now i go find a doctor that will and he gives me these things called uh because i had an mri mm -hmm. and a lot of these doctors you know, they end up in prison now because of all the bullshit. Yeah. But back in eight years ago, it was more, you, you know, got like freely. You can walk into a clinic and you got your MRI with as you. As long as I had my, I went into a doctor and said, listen, but, but he had to be a quack, you know, well known. He's got his, his doctorate, but there's doctors out there that are known to do these things. So of course, a friend of mine's like, well, you can go over to Dr. Dr. Raju. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Perth Amboy and <clears throat> he'll give you um, 
uh, 120 30 milligram blues mm-hmm. paying $200 cash now I was paying they're $20 on the street street value I was paying getting six for a hundred from people on the street it was a weekend thing mm-hmm. right just a weekend thing then when I was able to find this doctor I went to the doctor I couldn't believe it now I got a call in from God that day bro. I really did I didn't pay attention mm-hmm. my wife and I we had a great marriage. We had a beautiful home. She made good money. I made good money. She had a good truck. I had a good truck. Life was great. I'm sitting in the doctor's office, you know, all excited. I'm like, I'm about to get 120 of these things for $200, man. I'm starting to think, oh, I could sell like 50 times 20, make $1,000, and still have 70 for myself. All these things are going okay. through my head because they're yeah. $20 a piece, and 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 it's it's a big market. And this guy was selling for six a piece, six bucks. Who? The doctor? The new doctor, yeah. Doctor just write you a script. Okay. But he would make you pay $200 cash. For how many? No insurance. For 120 of them. That's the max they can give a script in New Jersey. For 120 of them. 120 times 20 is $2,400 if you sold them all. Yeah. And people were out there. There's many, many more people don't have MRIs than do. So now I'm in this doctor's office. Some guy walks next to me like you, mm-hmm. sits down, you know, and I'm signing papers away because it's all telling me about the withdrawals of this thing, this mm-hmm. medication. Okay. Stop. I didn't care. I didn't know nothing about it. I wasn't familiar with it. I didn't care. I'm getting 20, 120. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I'm happy. This guy sits Dude, next to me. That must be an excited feeling. Like knowing Very that excited. You're about to get something that's way cheaper way more of it not only that but it's the most amazing high i've yeah. ever felt in my life mm-hmm. i never was a drug user from 15 to 20 mm-hmm. did all that shit mm-hmm. but then i didn't do nothing i became responsible cool got a good job bought a house this guy sits next to me and he's like what are you here for and i was like oh i'm getting those those little blues i'm 30 they, they call them roxies they call them blues they're, they're 30 milligram Roxycodone, oxycodone. 10 milligram is Percocet. And Percocet is mixed with oxycodone and aspirin. The 30 milligram are real tiny, real small, like a tack. No way. Ahead of a tack. Yeah. And they're 30 milligrams of pure oxycodone. No cut with aspirin. So this guy sits next to me and I tell him, I'm here to get the blues, the Roxies, the 30s. They're great. And he tells me, He's like, bro, do yourself a favor. He's like, get up, walk out of here, and don't ever fucking come back. And I'm like, what, are you crazy? Are you nuts? But that was a sign, man. That was my sign that I didn't take. Mm-hmm. If I listen, I don't go through the shit I went through. Yeah. So I fill it, go home. The thought of what he said is stuck in my mind. I said to my wife, yo, babe, because she's doing them with me. Mm-hmm. When did she uh, do it? Not while you were reha- uh, recovering from surgery, but after that? After that, she, yeah. When we started buying the six on the weekend, three for her, okay. three for me. You know, it was good. So at some point, you're like, try one of these. You feel like fucking Superman on these things, right? Yeah. I swear to God. I mean, that, that story checks out, man. I used to work with for a guy who, uh, I don't know. You what? would paint this whole room for no reason. Is that right? <laughs> I used to work for a guy. Um... 
when I taught dance, actually, man, this, this dude, one of the best dancers in the whole world, and, uh, but this guy was on something. Good coffee. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I like dark coffee, man. Um, he was on something. He was on something. He took these pills, and it made, he already was a Superman-like figure. Yeah. Because he's a world-renowned, like, champion of this type of dance. And, and he would, uh. Yeah, on whatever the hell pill he was on, he was. Hey man, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, you didn't lose. You got me hooked back. I could always edit. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You you didn't lose. We didn't lose. Oh, Tech looked good. Much as I Who's say, you? Who's tech you and we? I'm UVA. <laughs> he's Tech. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Duke fan. Yeah. Uh, Yo, UVA, I mean, UVA, you were a little scared though the first half, though, huh? Yeah, but they played Very. two halves, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> they got it together. I think they came out there so nervous and uptight and anxious, and they yeah. were so scared. But yeah. then they put it on them in the second half. They had to. Who do they play next? They play Oklahoma. They scare me. On Oklahoma. Sunday? Tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow they play Oklahoma. That's going to be one to sit down for. I was hoping VCU would win so they would play Duke, but VCU got smoked. Yeah. Duke ain't losing with that big man in there. Zion, he's a beast. The only team I think that it's can hard beat, to do that guy that, enough credit, isn't it? The only team mm -hmm. out there that I think can beat Duke with Zion. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to Virginia, because they can. But probably, have, yeah, UNC. UNC has yeah. They they have a they have some bigs. You have to have a big that can. But Virginia, to Virginia got a good team, and Duke's, Virginia has a good team. Duke's about to play. Uh, I forget who they're playing next, but they got a big man on the team that they're playing. They're playing that team that beat freaking VCU last night. They're playing that team that's got that seven six boy. Exactly. Yeah. Seven six. He's 7'6", 310 pounds, man. That's who played VCU last that's night. That's who beat VCU last I night. I thought that was one of the biggest. Johnny human Dawkins coaches them. Johnny Dawkins is going against Coach K. Oh, wow. That's kind of a storybook wow. there. It's always exciting. March Madness is great. I love, I love it, it, man. I'm getting ready to settle in. Yeah, so you can just, see the, that's, that's you can just see the excitement, yeah. right? Yeah, I love yeah, it. Even if I haven't watched college basketball all year, all of a sudden for, I just... For college college I'm basketball, like, these, they let, these, these kids, they let them play defense, man. The pros yeah, are like, pros, bow, it's, bow, just, bow. it's just run and gun. Yeah, I'm a Laker fan. I mean, shh. I'm a Celtic fan, and we're not doing a whole lot either. But you're in the playoffs, at least. We'll probably make the playoffs. But y'all, I don't think anybody expected LA this first year with LeBron. But I think the young guys, if they get, if they get the right guy, they in free have agency, great young talent. I can't believe that they underachieved. I yeah, think. Yeah, I think well, I think Lonzo. But Ball then he had the injuries because when he went LeBron down, was out. They were number four seed. They were four seed when LeBron got hurt. Yes, they were. But. He's you got Ingram, you got Lonzo Ball. I mean, you get got rid some of Ball. Cow. Fuck Ball, man. Ball's like, yeah. I'm not a big Ball fan. His dad turned me against. Him, I like man. Kuzma. Kuzma's oh, Kuzma is a beast. Oh yeah, but they're gonna have to give up a lot to get something. Hey, so is Boston. Boston's talking about. Don't you? I love round ball. Man. All right, I love cool. some basketball. Yeah, I do. This is the time of year I love. Yeah, I just love college sports, man, because Same them guys are playing. Cool. A lot of them are playing because they know they'll never play. Short and sweet. When I um. When I ended up, when it when it came to an end, yeah, I was meeting a, a, the doctors. Now I was, you know, I told my wife when I got home. This guy told me this shit is the thing, and and then I, that's when I went online and was familiar with it. And everybody's saying, ruin your life, 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 ruin. Your life, ruin. Damn, babe, this like right around that time after you heard that, 
You looked after at this? I left that doctor with that script. I didn't feel it yet. I went home and I said, babe, this guy at the fucking doctor's office told me that I should get up and leave. And I went online and I'm reading all this thing about people that do it. Yeah. That it ruins your life. So maybe I should just rip this up and call it a day. And she, we looked at each other and we just said it's not going to happen to us. But it did. It took everything. Now, at that time, you were able to doctor shop. So now, I had one, two, three, four doctors I was seeing a month. All of them giving me 120. Well, Imagine man. the money I could have made. Yeah. But I used it all. But anyway. Is that right? So that's what they did. So they didn't get you for distribution. My habit in the end was uh, like between 20 and 25 of them pills per day, which would kill a horse. You need, if I took one right now, Mm -hmm. I'd be cooking high from now to the end of the night. I wouldn't get no sleep and I'd still be awake in the morning. Mm -hmm. They were that good. But Mm -hmm. anyway. That's in the past. Could you describe it, man? <laughs> like, um, describe the. I don't know if every time you take them, you get the same feeling. It's but just, what it's like, like what, what do you, you know what it does? You know what it does? It releases endorphins in your in your head. Like if you really. It's had not a hallucinogenic. It, no, like, lights no, don't look different. No, no, it's not like what kids go to you the have raves with. Certain certain uh, raves packs in your head. Uh, uh, sectors is what they're called. Yeah. One is called dopamine. Dopamine is what makes you happy, smile. Nice. Yeah. This particular drug... Endorphins are something similar, no? Releases the endorphins so you're even happier. Okay. Now, when you come off of this stuff, say you did it for two years. Yeah. I did it for almost three. Your dopamine level, if it's full, if that's full, Mm -hmm. it's like that now. So you're miserable, you're depressed. It takes many years to build that Holy back up. Holy crap. That's why people So go it's introducing depression. this artificial dopamine. It's it's a it's so a phony. It's a fake. It's 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 what it is is um what's a good word? It is uh legal heroin. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Now I was doctor shopping. Mm-hmm. I was getting 120 from each doctor. My habit was out of control, 25 a day. Everything that I was, I was such a responsible individual, paying my mortgage. I had a mortgage on one house that I was living in, mortgage on a house that I was renting. I had a 26-foot boat at the marina in the slip. You're a landlord because you got somebody live, renting your property. Yeah. You got 30, you living in your own, another I, property. I had a 32-foot sea ray at the marina sitting in the slip. Is that the really wide kind? This is a long fishing boat. Okay. Center console. 32 foot. Lost it all within three years, man. Both my homes were foreclosed, crashed my truck, lost my job, sold my boat. I even sold my clubs, my golf clubs. But after I had two years of recovery, the clubs I sold to my dealer. Because now, the doctors that you can shop, they put a stop to that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to my doctor. Oh, you put in your social security number, and they know if you're seeing other doctors. This mm. stopped probably 2014. That's what I'm thinking of when they were they it started stopped. to be this long, a bigger network. You used to be able to get a lot. Yeah, it stopped. So I went to my doctor. I said, oh, "Doc, I'm here to get my refill," and he's like, "Tom, 
you're seeing three other doctors. I can't fill this. Oh, please, please, I have none left. Now I'm sick. Because you are sick, miserably sick. The flu times 10. That's why it's so hard for people to stop, because you don't want to feel that sickness. Mm -hmm. Cold sweats, weak, vomiting, pains in the stomach, uneasiness, don't want to do nothing. You can't live like that. So now I go to my next doctor. I'm like, Doc, yeah, I'm here to fill my script. He's like, Tom, you're seeing other doctors. I can't, I can't do it. Okay. Next doctor, same thing. Can't so you're do learning. It. There, there are no chinks in this wall. You're, no. But you're poking the around. The last doctor it was Dr. Minaj, a uh-huh. woman. Tom, you're seeing four, four doctors. What are you doing? You can't, I can't fill this. And I was like, Dr. Minaj, please. They all just turned me down. I'm very sick. I need help, please. Mm-hmm. If you let, if you do this for me, I promise I won't do this doctor shopping. It'll just be you. And she said, okay. She gave me the script, and I kept just her. Mm-hmm. But in the end, in the end, a friend of mine. At some point, did Minaj cut you off? And you had to get I got arrested. Oh. It was over. So that's who you were getting from when you got arrested. Yeah. So I go, I meet this kid at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sell him, I'm going to give him a good deal. I'm going to give him 20 blues for $300. It's usually $400. I meet him at McDonald's, I give him the 20 blues, he gives me $300. He leaves, get in his truck, and he spins off. Boom, 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 I go to back up. Boom. He set me up. All right. That hand motion you did was this trooper cars coming in, or the, the squad in. cars coming boom, in. Boom, okay. They took me down. They, uh, <laughs> they arrested me. Were these non-marked cop cars? Or? They were non-marked. He, one scattered <coughs> township police car, and then the other two were unmarked. But I had all kinds of shit on me. I had a hundred and something blues. I had Xanax bars. I had Suboxone, which is something you take to come off. When you're coming off of opiates. Okay. Suboxone is Suboxone. what you take to take away the withdrawals. So you have hmm. the withdrawals. So I had them both. So it was a vicious cycle. If I didn't have the blues, I had Suboxone. If I didn't have Suboxone, I had the blues. Total vicious cycle. So I get arrested. sit in jail for uh, four months. Send me to a six-month program. From there, I go to a five-month halfway house. And I'm back on track. I haven't touched it since. Seen this kid that set me up because when you're in jail, believe it or not, you get what you call a discovery of your charges. No matter what they tell you, oh, don't worry, we're not going to say it was you that told us about him. In your discovery, it said John Luxa was the person that set Tom on, you know, worked with the police. It names the witness. It names the witness. Uh huh. So now, and you see that dis- the, the, uh, each see um, the convicted person I sees see the discovery? I thought it was him. It was yeah. kind of obvious. But then when I actually seen it, I seen it. So then I ran into him like three years later. I pulled into a 7-Eleven. He was coming out the store. And he stopped. And I was like, what are you stopping for? I said, listen, man, I don't hate you. I said, in fact, come here. He comes over and I give him a hug. And I said, thank you for saving my life. That's, that's it. That's how it ended. Haven't seen him since. Haven't touched him since. But that stuff took me for a ride, man. I, even, I almost get tears right now thinking yeah, about same it. Yeah, same here. Because I, I lost a lot <clears throat> when I had everything. Mm-hmm. But anyway. You, uh, when, you, when you came in the first time I talked to you, 
you somehow boiled down that sentiment that I could, it was like, I was like, people got to hear this, dude. And, and since you told hard. me that, I was like, people got to hear this. I used to go to meetings and tell people my story. Yeah. Like, I would attend meetings because I had to. It was, it was a requirement mm -hmm. through the program that I... What's got. that program called? It was called <clears throat> Drug Court. They got it in Virginia. I wonder if that's what my friend... They Aaron were going to send me to prison. I never got in no trouble in my life. Never, ever. Yeah. When I sat in the county jail, they were like, all right, you're looking at three years in prison. And I'm like, what? For, this is my first time. And they didn't get me for distribution. They just said possession. Okay. They didn't get me for <clears throat> Is that because an attorney got them to talk it down? Or they what? just agreed not to do it. The cops were being nice to me. And, yeah. And they said, you know what? We're not going to hit you with all that. We're just going to get you with possession. But when I went in front <clears throat> of the judge, the judge said, all right, your, your, your sentence is three years in prison. And I was like, Your Honor, I've never been in prison before. I've never been in no trouble. Look at my record. I, ne I have nothing on my record of anything. And he's like, the only reason there's nothing on your record, Mr. Omer, is because you never got caught. Makes sense. Because I was doing shady shit, which um, I was up for a while. Um, Made sense. So he uh, put me on this program. Judges are some smart dudes, aren't they? Or, and women... Yeah, they are judges. They, they've seen it all. They they've heard, seen it, they all. it all. Somehow, whenever I watch a judge <clears throat> talk to somebody, they'll talk to people who are from the street. They see they'll, it all, heard it all. And somehow they can talk on their level. It always impresses me when I when I go to a court and listen and listen to a judge. Yeah. Of course, they got it good. Yeah. Cool. Um, but when they can like break down why they're doing what they're doing to a uh, to a defendant? Yeah. Um, I mean, I wrote the judge letters when I was in jail thinking that my letter was so sympathetic he was going to see that I really that I really meant what I meant. What is this, Mr. Rowling? You think he's trying to get me with this? I've seen this a thousand times. Yeah. But what happened in the end, right, they gave me this thing called drug court. They said, mm -hmm. all right, you're going to do three years in prison or you can go on a program called drug court, which is a very strict program. You got to report on Mondays, give urines. Report on Wednesdays, give urines. You got to attend three meetings a week. You have to go do a six-month inpatient program, and you have to do a five-month halfway house program. I agreed to that because I didn't want to go to prison. How long as an inpatient? You said six months inpatient. So I did all that. I Jeez, did all man. that. I did it all. Mm -hmm. I did it all. I had drug court would have been over for me. Because it's a five-year program. Mm -hmm. April 20th of 2020. So it would have been over. Ah, so okay. it's not here yet. Now I'm going to explain what happened. Mm -hmm. At the end of 2017, my father, my mother calls me up. You know, your father's very sick. Is there any way you can come down here and help out? So I go see my PO and I'm like, Jason... Would you mind if I go to Virginia for a month? Just You're still up north at this time. Huh? You're still up north at this time. Yeah, I'm still on the program, too. Mm -hmm. And I'm clean. I haven't used. Mm -hmm. Do you mind if I go? I have never gave you a dirty urine. I've been following the rules. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. Do you mind if I go for a month just to see what's going on and help him out? He turns to me and he says, Mr. Omer, it's a black and white program. There is no gray area. The answer is no. I was like, you heartless son of a bitch. Dead I left. Sick. Okay. I came here. Mm -hmm. Two months. 
I went back, turned myself in. I said, I'm here to turn myself in. I went in front of the judge. I still said, clean, Tom? Still clean. I go in front of the judge, right? Mm -hmm. I said, Your Honor, I don't want to do this program no more. If you want to keep me on this program, can you transfer it to Virginia? I need to be there. Okay. They have drug court there. No, we don't transfer out of state, but you can. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna. He was yelling. Wow, man. And I was like, for what reason? I'm telling you, my father's sick and he needs my help, but you can't transfer. To, to, they got the same program. We can transfer counties within the state, but we're not going to transfer out of state. And I was like, then I want off of, I said, then I want off of this program because I'm going to be on this program till 2020 of April. Mm -hmm. If you send me to prison, which is work, you know, prison, never been there either. I said, I only got to do six months. I'd rather go to prison. I want to get it over with. I don't want to do this no more. No, you can't. You can't make the rules. You can't quit. I was like, okay. That was a Tuesday. He, that that evening, they released me from the county jail. Wednesday, I'm supposed to report to drug court. My PO calls me and says, Tom, are you coming to drug court? I said, no, man. I'm going to do whatever I can for you guys to fucking terminate me from this program. I go back in Wednesday to the county jail. I said, my name is Thomas Homer. I didn't report to drug court yesterday. I'm turning myself in. At the county? Yeah. I see the judge again. He's like, why am I seeing you again? I said, Your Honor, I do not want to be on the program. If you're going to reinstate me on this program again, I'm just going to keep doing this. Send me to prison. I want it over with. It's only going to be six months in prison. I can't be on this till So is that some kind of a technicality that you were aware of? That there's the six-month... Um... Well, well, I was three years in, and that was the time they were giving me to begin with. Okay. Oh. oh, so the program Even though your time... was so that you didn't have to serve the prison sentence. But you got to complete the program. And you're like, you know what? I'll just go backwards. But if you knock out if that you sentence... you out, you can do the three. I see. But I had all this credit. Yeah. From being in the county, being being in a halfway house, being in the six month pro all that counts towards your jail time. Okay. For three years. Yeah. So I said, Your Honor, I ain't doing this. I ain't doing this. The prosecutor's there and the prosecutor the, the judge looks at the prosecutor and he's like and I wrote the prosecutor letter while I was in the county jail, please, can you please terminate me? Did my father's sick, I need to get there. Mm -hmm. This is the quickest way. He says to the prosecutor, Mr. Prosecutor, are you ready to terminate Mr. Homer? And he's like, uh, you know what, Your Honor, if he's going to stomp his feet like a baby, we're ready to terminate. And I looked over at him and I was like, thank you. And I'm not being a wise ass or nothing. This is what I wanted to do. And the judge is like, do you have anything to say, Mr. Homer? I was like, the only thing I want to say to you is this program, this drug court program, that I am not completing successfully was still a success for me. It saved my life. I'm grateful for it. And thank you. And that's how it ended. Word up, man. That's cool. I went to this prison in Jersey for six and a half months. Um, full minimum because I never had no rap sheet. I, I thought they were going to let you just walk, walk, walk. No. So I you did? To, I had to go through the six months. Oh my so gosh. Me, I had to go through hell to get there though. 
I had to go to Trenton State. You had to go through hell to get to hell. But it wasn't that bad. I'm going to explain. They sent me to Trenton State Prison okay. where you get classified. You're either full minimum, medium, or maximum. Yeah. I knew none of this shit. I knew nothing about it. But Trenton State Prison is what you see on TV. Fucking bars. But there ain't no homo shit going on. It's nothing like that. Okay. Go there. You know, you meet some people. You make one or two friends. Okay. It's not like every single day is the gang fight between no, this racial group and that racial group. They're, they're in there. It's in there. But Trenton is just a, it's just a, a, a crossover place. That's where you go to classify and sent to one of the 12 prisons. Oh, so and how I long is that there, process? Was there eight days, nine days? Oh, okay. So I'm there. Then you see classification. A group of people. They ask you questions. All right, Mr. Romney, you know, you never had no crimes. Uh, we're we're uh, classifying you as full minimum. Uh, what prison do you want to go to? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know nothing about them. Yeah. And they're like, well, there's camps in two of the prisons, Jones Farm and Bayside State Prison. Jones Farm's right next door. It's very uh, laid back. Uh, there's not even a fence. You're going to go over there, they're going to give you a job, and that's where you're going to spend your six months. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'll take that. And then the one lieutenant's like, no, wait, wait, wait. I don't trust him over there. I was like, for what? He's like, you took off for two months. How do I know you're not going to take off from this prison that's not gated? And I was like, It's oh, an interesting on. point. I, I, said, mean... I said, I'm not going nowhere. Yeah. Nah, we're going to send you to Bayside State Prison which has a gated camp. So, okay, I go back. Turns out Bayside State Prison is the worst prison in New Jersey to go to. And I'm in waiting to get picked up to go there. Scared shit. I'm yeah. like, what the fuck? But this one guy comes up to me, he's like, Tom, don't worry about it. You're going to go behind the wall in the state prison for probably two weeks. But you're going to be classified there as well. And they have, a, they have a camp there. You're going to go to the camp. It's like a little town. You're full minimum. And that's where you're going to do your time. So I go to behind the wall. It's fucking just like you see on TV. Gangs anywhere. I'm ready to get on the phone call. It's my turn to get on the phone. I go to walk up the phone. No, no, no. My buddy's up. I said, where's your buddy? He's in his cell. I got to go get him. I said, but I'm right here. I said, my buddy's up. All right, your buddy's up. I couldn't make a fucking phone call. If you take a shower, you had 15 minutes a day. Yeah. You either jump on the phone, take a shower, or get on this thing called the kiosk. It's like a thing you can write your family. Okay. If you take a shower. That's the 15 minutes out of your cell. Oh, that's it. Every day? Like, just a day? 15 15 minutes minutes out? That's it. So now, so, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. But I chose it. So how are people able to mix it up so much where they can they influence get, each they other? They get away with a lot of shit. You see a lot of shit go on. But So is lunch all served in this big lunch room? Where lunch, people... your door opens, boom. Your door your door open, boom. And then you boom, boom, go get your lunch. You got like a minute and a half to get your lunch. And if you don't make it back, the door shuts. Then right now you're eating your fucking lunch in the little hallway. Or... If you're not done, and you got had exactly two minutes to eat all your food, mm-hmm. two minutes. So when you get back to your room, you shovel and shit, 
your door closes, you're shoveling your food, yeah. and then the door opens. Now you got another two minutes to get down there, drop your food off, and get back to your thing before it shuts. If it shuts, you're standing out there, and the guard will open it when he's damn well ready. Sometimes I sat out there for two hours before he opened my gate. Ah, and there's it's no horrible, bed, there's no seat, there's horrible, no nothing. Horrible, horrible. Yeah. But now, if you want to take a shower, which you had to take a shower, every couple of days I'd take a shower. Yeah. Not every day. You're in there, and you got this little area, and there's four fucking guys in this little area with dicks swinging. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. That, I was in there for nine days. They classified me. I went next door down the road to the camp. Once I got to the camp, yeah, <clears throat> they have a bunch of cottages. It's like a little town. It's an old army barracks. Interesting. Barracks. Camp. Cottages. Streets. What's the name of this camp? Bayside State Prison Camp. Okay. Bayside State Prison is really bad. If you looked it up, Bayside State Prison, they'll talk about how inmates killed the guard. and then. That's the distinction is behind the wall or at the camp. Yeah, behind all you don't want to go. Yeah. So, yeah. But I've seen so many. I spent six I months. mean, some people are so naive to all this. I mean, and they'd like to stay that way. But they didn't Man. understand the difference when you said, I'm in county. County? You said, yeah. And they wouldn't know that, like, oh, county is jail. County is county prison. County is not bad. Yeah. County's a whole different ballgame. Well, let me tell you then. something. If you're full minimum, yeah. prison's way better. Way better huh. okay. than the county. Okay. That's what I'm hearing from people in the county, and I'm like, how the fuck is prison better than this? Because when I went to the county, yeah. they knew of my work skills and brought me upstairs, where there was only like 10 people up there, Yeah. and we went out every day and worked with the DPWs doing work, like ah. cleaning up, and they'd buy you cigarettes, buy you lunch, we had reclining couches, TVs, our own bed, lockers, mm -hmm. regular showers, a gym, yeah. kitchen... <laughs> It was made. Yeah. I had a good while I was there. But when I got to the camp, now you got streets, huh. mailboxes, church, library. I lived in a one-man cottage, little cottage, my own room. Yeah. I had cable TV. I had a couple fans blowing on me. And I happened to run into someone the second day I was there that I knew from Middlesex County. And he walked me over to the maintenance shop. Because they give you a job. You mm -hmm. fucking shoveling cow shit, milking cows. Hmm. He walked me over to maintenance. I was the plumber on the campus. So I was the plumber on the campus. Had my own room. Cable TV. The only thing, it was okay. Big weight pile gym. Worked out every day. Mm -hmm. They had a baseball field. All that shit. It wasn't bad. The only thing you do not have is your freedom. You're stuck there. Yep, okay. That's my story. Yeah. Dude, and either way, you're going to be fine, and it's cool to share, like, overcoming something like you shared. You're not going to sue me if this goes on, on the internet, are you? No, I'm going to ask you where my fucking, my, 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 uh, Where your cut goes. My reaper benefits. Yeah. You, hopefully when no, somebody... No, I really don't care, bro. Hopefully, it's just to help people, um, It might be, it might help somebody one day. Right. You know what I put on fucking, on Facebook? I, I, I put a quote on there. A couple weeks ago, right? I don't know if I'm going to remember it the way I quoted it, but I wrote on there, I wrote, to all you people that judge addicts and look down on them as if they're trash and they're nobody and they're scumbags, that very addict may clean up his act one day 
and be the one person that helps your son or daughter. And people comment like, like good point. Because you never know. People judge. Mm-hmm. Judge you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this guy's a scumbag. He fucking, he did this, that, and the next. Next thing you know, he's recovered. Now he's a, a, a counselor somewhere. And your son goes to his facility and he saves your son's life. And who could pull somebody up except somebody who's been there? Been there. Like, I, the program yeah. I went to, they put me with a counselor, right? Yeah. And I sat down with this woman. Was that counselor? Had she been there or was she just listen, an No disrespect. I sat down with the counselor. And within the first five minutes, I stopped. And I was like, listen, can I ask you a question? I said, uh, uh, are you an ex-addict or, or, or is this something that you learned uh, uh, through schooling? And she's like, oh, no, I've never touched stuff. I went through school. I was like, I don't want to talk to you no more. I want a, I want a counselor that's been there. Yeah. And they moved me. Why, why is that? You don't want to, why would you say that is? Because I just feel like if you've been there, you're much more familiar with it. Mm-hmm. You're talking about books. Books don't tell you everything. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you everything. They really don't. You would think they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Books don't tell you everything. Someone that's been there can tell you everything. They can share their experience. They can tell you what they went through they could tell you how they got through it mm-hmm. me personally those fucking programs didn't help me that halfway house didn't help me the only thing that helped me was me making a, a conscious decision to not fuck with this shit no more mm. the inpatient bit didn't help hell no it was just what, what were they given where you were they in there program you have groups and about addiction and relapse and this and that and the next mm-hmm. and give you little assignments. It's all bullshit. It's a money-making scheme, man. It's really the only person that's going to help you is you. Mm. You know how many people go to, a, go to a program? So you weren't around guys who had recovered in there. You were around guys who were recovering. We're sent there. And teachers. Need to be, yeah, yeah. And, and professionals. Counselors. 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 Yeah. And... The way I seen it one day, I was in there, you know, the lady asked me, she's like, Tom, what is your definition of addiction? And I just looked at her and I just, I didn't know what to say, so I just was like, that's my definition of addiction. I didn't know what to say. And then when I was, then when I was, then uh, I seen this one kid leaving, he was all happy, he graduated, and then he left, and and the, the counselor's name was Jorge. And you know these, these 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 programs are like revolving doors. You know you come back. Uh, you, you know that's what keeps these places going. People coming back. Interesting, so I, man. So I said to George, who, who, who he was a counselor, and I was like, you know, I hope Randy does well. And he's like, yeah, so do I. And I was like, don't you own this facility? Because you did. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, then aren't you handing him that certificate saying, see you soon? <laughs> I threw it right back at him. He's like, why would I do that? I said, you need to make money. You want him back. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know this lady that works at one of those places, though, Tom, and her, I don't think she's ever been on pills, but her heart freaking bleeds for the people that are in there. You know what? There's probably people out there that, like, the, the Like, she's told about, me. You know? She's been like, oh, Ethan, it's so hard, and, and I wish we could do more. You know, she told me that a lot of the people that are in there, so it's so weird. I was blown away when she told me this. The people that are in the specific one that she worked at, on pills, uh-huh. 
and they couldn't hold down their job anymore. Guess what their job was? Freaking mm. law enforcement. Wow. So there's there's cops. Could be anybody. Tiger Sheriff. Woods. Tiger Woods is an opiate head. Yeah. Can't live without him. But this guy. Yeah. Will never run out of money to experience the sickness that you experience when you don't have no more. I ain't gonna be. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. If I was a multi-millionaire. Yeah. Multi-millionaire. And I knew I would never, ever, ever run out. Mm-hmm. I would never stop. Because and you wouldn't have been running around in McDonald's either. Because they, because they make you feel like you're Superman. Hmm. You're never gonna get sick if you yeah. always got the supply. It, it doesn't make you like I can take take these pills and and do any kind of job function. Okay. But. So these aren't like the things that make you all relaxed and everything. No, it does for some people. Some people do this. Some people nod out. Mm-hmm. Others get energy. I'm the type of person that gets mm-hmm. energy. Like I'll go out. I'll go home and uh, paint the kitchen, and then go cut the grass and trim the hedges, and yeah, and, you know, you got a lot of energy. Do you do anything now on the clean side of life that improves your state of mind? Like, cause that improves your state of mind when you introduce that little pill and all of a sudden you got dopamine firing on all cylinders. Um, that feels good, right? You're talking about, I'm talking I, about like a runner's high. Do I give back? No, no. Like just something to take care of your own mindset. Like, uh, like, oh man, I think I make sure I, I get a lot of sleep tonight. So I feel good tomorrow or work out. You said you're working That's out a lot. That's the only thing that makes me feel good. Yeah. Because when you, when you go to the gym, you know, a lot of times you don't want to do it. You get there and you do it, and when you're done, you're happy you did it. Yeah. It makes you feel good. I feel that same way about yoga, about running. Running, I can't do. I smoke a fucking shit. Mm. But anybody can run, because you can run so damn slow. When I was in that place for six months, they had Mm -hmm. a track. Yeah. Uh, You can't smoke there. My detail officer, because I was a plumber, used to give me cigarettes. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to. You get caught with cigarettes, you go back behind the wall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But, uh, do they give you like um, the nicotine gum or anything? I think they did. Okay. Patch or something. Have you ever tried that? I did the patch at one time. But they had a track there. I would go out and jog one lap and walk one lap and jog one lap and walk one lap. And I would do 15 jog, 15 walk, go to the gym. This was an everyday thing. 15 walk, 15 jog. Wow, man. Go to the weight pile and... Do 500 push-ups and 150 dips every day. That's I mean, four uh, miles. pull-ups every day. When I went into the, where I was going, I was like 250 pounds. I came out at 205. Now, fuck 235. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, man, that's that's so cool that that story about going through, man. And and you were telling me just that you're you're happier now, right? Oh, I couldn't be happier, bro. And I don't have what I used to have. Like I had everything. Yeah. Everything. No money issues. Uh, I wake up one day and be like, all right, let's go to the boat. I'm right, 20 minutes from the marina. Go jump mm-hmm. on a boat, untie it, go out, fish. Would you be out in the Atlantic Ocean? Yeah, that's okay. what I was. And uh, go out fishing, come back. Um, I, I go golfing. I, I do a lot of trout fishing in streams. Oh, cool. But, uh, I wouldn't, uh, I would love it all back, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to get all that back. But never just to have a decent job, 
mm-hmm. um, a vehicle, which I will have in July, and my kids in my life, um, um, that's all I need. Yeah. yeah. How many kids are there? I have Sarah, mm-hmm. who's 21, and James, who's nine. Ah, nine. That's Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah. All right. But, uh... Yeah, I'm happy now, man. I don't really like my situation right now. Yeah. Well, you don't have to but like bullshit and pretend you're freaking happy. But if you can, if you can balance those things, if I balance being grateful, Mm -hmm. but I'm still also trying to improve. You know, I'm grateful. That's something I think about myself all the time. It's like, all right, my mindset is about improving because I. I want a better situation, yeah, but I, I don't want to confuse that with I'm not grateful for what I have, you know? I'm grateful. I, I, so I kind of... I'm grateful every day. Wake up and I'm like, dude, it's beautiful. So it, like, look how damn beautiful it is outside right now. There's birds literally singing out there in a warm right, sunshine. I'm every day. And I'm like, man, I, I curse it because I can't be out there because I have to be in the office. I should have been dead, bro. I really should have been dead. Yeah? Oh, absolutely. I'm Ooh. thinking like that scene in... Uh, the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio when he's trying to get in his Lamborghini. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. I think I did. I mean, he's crawling what in What's it called? He's trying to open the thing with his foot, man. He ends up writing books and being successful in the end of it, right? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Good movie. No. Is that it? I think it's Wolf of Wall Street. He's like a stockbroker. He gets so rich and he's, no, he's whacked out of his skull on some kind of pills. And the one uh, I seen, he was a junkie, heroin junkie, him and his friends. and Oh, young young guy. The yeah. Basketball Diaries. That's it. That heroin, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I see. Yeah. But like he, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that was a good ending. You get a lot of good endings, but a lot of people die, man. There's so much shit out there with this heroin going around mm-hmm. and the fentanyl, one shot, boom, you're done, you ain't coming back. Mm-hmm. It's too risky, man. It's like... It's like playing Russian roulette. The the, the pills is just synthetic. It's, it's medicine. It's synthetic it's, heroin. I know, but it comes from a doctor. Like, it's me, at some it's point, it's medicine. If you took one of them right now, you'd be fucking shit. I, Cooking. I know it's not medicine. I know that it's a freaking painkiller narcotic. But at some point in my life... I'm thinking all pills that are prescribed by doctors are simply medicine to help yeah, you. And no, they don't. Listen, this medicine that's out there, these pain pills, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what they are. Opiates, Percocets, uh, uh, hydrocodone, um, um, uh, tramadol, um, uh, oxycodone, uh, um, oxycontin. Yeah. All these pain relievers for pain. Right? Now you're going to take that pill. It's supposed to cure the pain. What it's really doing is is tricking your mind, telling you that the pain's not there. The pain's there. Mm -hmm. But your mind's telling you it's not. It's a mind game. Okay. Period. What? Makes sense, right? Yeah. Well, one thing it sucks for, um, (coughs) for people recovering from especially pills, right, is after a surgery when they've been, like, freaking fusing two bones together or something, like, 
you got to come through that surgery and you can't take those Vicodins because it might set your brain wrong and you might just go on to another. Bro, I ain't gonna lie to you, man. If I went through a major surgery and I was in pain, I'm taking them. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm know better this time. Because are you I gonna know, have like a coach I with know, you or are you gonna have to no, check in? No, I know, I know from experience and I know where it'll yeah. lead me. So I take it as prescribed and it's over, it's over. But I didn't realize the danger because um, I guess it was right before all that popped off. It must have been 08 or 09. I'm making another cup of coffee. Yeah, man, yeah. But it yes. must have been 08 or 09 that yeah. I had a knee surgery. Did they take anything for it? Yeah, they they gave me Vicodin. And and it was an every four hours type of thing. Yeah. Maybe for the first four days to a week. It doesn't seem like that long yeah, a period of time. Supposed, I mean, was it underneath the stuff? Yeah. Un uh, what the hell did you give me last time? It was the noir, magic uh, dark. It was green. Green? Yeah. With, with the orange? Or no, the orange is decaf. Oh, yeah, I don't know. The green with no orange. Now, is there enough water in here to take care of what I gotta take care of? Yep. So all I do is do this and press brew. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean. So every four hours I had to take this or else I could feel that pain creeping in. And you took it as prescribed. Once I, I, once I took a little too long and I had to suffer that pain, and I think that. Uh, now I would definitely ask for let me do this for three days no more yeah, I, I wanted to get off it myself it doesn't take it takes because longer. I couldn't think correctly they tell you like it clouds you a little bit they tell you if you take these pills up to five days your your body becomes dependent on it you know it's when I started taking them on a regular it took it took a, a couple months it okay took a good month and a half and then when I stopped I was like wow when I stopped, I was like, oh, I'm sick, like for four or five days. What's wrong with me? I didn't know. Yeah. And my wife was like, you're going through withdrawals from them pills. And I was like, oof, I ain't never doing them again. And then six months later, a friend comes over and he's got the pills that I used to take, the little perks. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, what do you got? Are they perks? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what are the little blue ones? He's like, oh, you don't want them. They're really strong. I said, oh, no, then, then I want that one. <laughs> And that's how it started from that shit. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh God. Yo, I'm telling you, Ethan, I was, I was a mess, man. I was, I was a complete scumbag. Well, here's to getting hooked on other stuff, man, <laughs> like the sunshine and water. But uh, what I was saying about the job that I'm doing now, right? I'm yeah. I'm working in this parts distribution center, and it all deals with with small engine parts, which I know, like I, I know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm very familiar with all the parts. When I used to work for a lawnmower shop in, in, in uh, Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, Did you work on Ford motors too? Like I worked on cars? Ford, Ford trucks. Did you work on the engines? No, I was just a piper. I drove around on a bicycle, got zero to three calls a day. It was a fucking cake job. Most of the time I was across the street at the bar. Is that right? <laughs> if they called me, then I'd be like, all right, I'll be right there. So a pipe fitter for the plant? For seven years, I worked in the body shop building the box of the Ford Rangers, all spot welding. Oh, okay. Then I took, I took a, a test to be an apprenticeship yeah. for skilled trades, which they have a lot of skilled trades. Pipe fitter, electrician, tin knocker, welder inspector, uh, yak repair, millwright. Uh, I can go on. Mm -hmm. And I chose, I scored high on the test. They only took 20 guys. 
out of so many people that took the test. And the, the lowest guy out of the 20 got in with a 92. I yeah. had a 98. So you had to do really well. Yeah, man. And then I became a pipe fitter. I just drove around on a bicycle with a walkie-talkie. I got zero to three calls a day. I was getting $32 an hour. It was, a good, it was a good gig. Then the place shut down. I could have transferred to any state, but I had a four-year-old daughter from a broken marriage, Yeah. and I decided not to leave her to stick around good. and try to find a job just so I could be there to raise my daughter, mm-hmm. which I regret now because I had two more years I'd be retiring from Ford. <laughs> I really can't regret it, you know? Of course. Yeah. You do what you do, man. But anyway... Um, this guy came into the shop that I'm working at with small engine stuff. Yeah. And I heard, I overheard him talking. I'm like, he's like, damn, fuck me. I can't get nothing done. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I got a lawnmower shop over here. I got nobody working for me. I'm busy as hell. And he's like, uh, I was like, I can help you. So he, he pays me, uh, he pays me 17 bucks an hour cash under the table. Mm-hmm. And last Saturday, I went over there, I did eight mowers. I did eight lawn mowers. Mm-hmm. I was there for four hours. So 17 times four is what? Uh, 36, 72? Yeah. Something like that. He, he gave me a $100 bill and said, have a nice day. He wants me to come in seven to nine every morning and then go do this job and then eight hours on Saturday. And I would, but mm-hmm. I don't have a license to do all that. Mm. right now yeah so now but you can go you can do the uh, forklift without the um, license I have a forklift license cool from back in the day but but where's this going I mean what, explain to me what's going on with this oh now you want to know what, first of all what's now you want to know because I gotta get to the bank before one it's 11 40 right, I, I got time actually I, I don't have much time it's uh but what is it now it's my podcast. So I studied journalism. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I can help you out with your little thing you got going on here. Yeah. What is this? Is, 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 is this? Are is you going to let me finish what it is? Yeah, but you, you I got to go. Off, I got to go, though. You keep cutting me off. Hey, Anna, how are you? So I'm going <laughs> to... So, yeah. Uh, this is... Uh, let's hold our coffee since that's what we're freaking swilling back. Yeah, we're just uh, chilling. A couple people who don't know each other too well. Oh, yeah, we do, man. You're... You're good peeps. No, you don't. That makes the thing turn on. Oh, it does? Yeah, that's the time. You do it. Turn the timer on. Uh, so, it's a podcast, man. And uh, I've talked to just anybody who'll tell their story. Um, and it's focused on being happy in that anything's possible in the future. So that you don't... It's. I, I really like yoga. I told you that when we talked before. Well, if I got through this shit, anybody can. And I was wow, a, man. And I was a mess. Complete mess. I was never a thief, though. I never stole nothing through my addiction. I had put in one Ford shut down. Yeah. And I chose not to go with the company. Yeah. They gave me a $75,000 take-home uh, buyout. Okay. It was a hundred grand. But they, I ended up taking $75,000 home from that. Because and of the injury? No, because the company shut down, and I chose not to relocate. I chose to stay and raise my daughter. I could have went anywhere. I could have been living really large right now, anywhere. Mm -hmm. 
but I chose to stay just so I can watch my daughter grow up. Now she's 21, mm-hmm. and I put $35,000 of that money in a bank for her schooling, which was in my name and her name, and throughout my addiction, I never touched one freaking red cent of that money. That's great, man. She has it all. Now she's going to school. <laughs> so you put that even more... That was the only that good was, thing I did. That was more holy than the golf clubs. Because I mentioned, when you're talking about house, wife, boat, yeah. even my golf, golf clubs. <laughs> yeah, but let me tell you but something. But not the, the guy uh, that I used to, yeah. uh, the guy that I used to uh, buy pills from. Oh, looks like I got some clients. All right, well, in. real quick. The guy that I used to buy pills from, right? He tells me. Yeah. I haven't seen him in two years. I, I run into him at his shop. I go visit him and he's like, Tom, I heard... I heard you're doing really well. And he's like, I'm like, yeah. Because I gave the golf clubs to him for something small. Yeah. That's how bad it was. Very expensive set. He says, I'm glad you're doing very well. I heard you're getting back on your feet. He's like, go over there in that closet. And I was like, what closet? And he's like, that one. I open up, there's my golf clubs. He's like, take them back, man. Same ones. Same ones. So get them out of here. Thank you for talking. All right, that's what I'm talking about. What did you think of that conversation with Tom and uh, opening up about about that whole life and and making the next positive step in in life pretty interesting right I thought so and it kind of shed some light on some things and it was just kind of entertaining if you have any insight again please let me know follow like on all the Instagram and social and stuff at Ethan share it official or email Ethan share it at gmail.com and you can ask me something like anonymously. I won't say like it's from you, but I'll address it in like a good a way um, if, if you'd like to. Um, no matter what, I'll address it. Come on. Send me a message. So that was uh, really interesting about the, the whole epidemic. And I'll get into more of that later. It kind of made me think along the lines of this... Um, the co- comedian Dave Chappelle has a an act like that came out. I think it was this year, like a, a new special, and edgy guy, man. I, I like hearing what Dave Chappelle has to say because it's always like kind of socially um, charged, I guess these days. <laughs> and but but with a real creative attitude, and he has a a bit. He kind of goes after the the contrast and the, the juxtaposition of like the opioid epidemic and the, the addiction to pills and even, even that wacky new heroin thing that's been going on for a few years that a lot of people are dealing with. He kind of contrasts that uh, with a little bit of anger and, uh, and animosity a little bit, surely, um, with the the 1980s uh, crack epidemic that that took hold, how those were different, and, and the reactions at large to those types of, uh, of of phenomena. So, you might want to check that out. I mean, a little summary on that is the crack epidemic of the 1980s. It seemed to just decimate and ravish. So many families that lived in, you know, working class, largely inner city types of uh, communities and 
perhaps it even tipped the scales in some of those areas for working class people that were building a community to really be ripped apart and and have almost this overwhelm of um of brokenness from that 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 really made it all the the progress and and community opportunities just had this other thing to deal with all of a sudden bam there's cops in your community every single day there's people getting hauled off there's uh in in handcuffs there's sick people and and the stairwells of dirty buildings and there's uh you know the the images are there i'm not an expert of this at all but i am an expert of what i've observed and that's the media discourse on this thing and when dave chappelle says hey everybody pay attention to this look how the crack epidemic was handled it was with a a smile that's of a a first lady with a button that said just say no it's as easy as that and a constant barrage of really frightening imagery of uh just an inner city neighborhood being ripped apart by um this new social structure that had to deal with like lower level crack dealers preying upon addicts within that community um really i mean just think about the images of people shuffling through the poor streets or the the whole idea of a crack baby i mean that was a phrase that came out of a baby that was born to a crack addicted mother and that became like a part of our of our consciousness and it was shoved in our face like on the news everywhere this is what you thought about these communities that were in inner cities um you know, I'm sure some city comes to your mind when you hear it. Oh yeah, New York for sure. New York. Some of the, you know, Harlem was probably hit hard. Uh, Washington D.C. and Baltimore were absolutely trashed. They're still trying to recover from that. I'm sure these some of these things come to your mind. Um, like Southern Florida, it's uh, throughout the South. Some of these um, communities that were that were poor but working class people making a, a good living and with great you know churches and sports and uh, universities and and really a lot of opportunity and then wow it became this big thing of really crack dealers dealing to crack addicts people in the, in the grips of this thing and we saw those images everywhere. And the juxtaposition of that is the opioid epidemic that, that man, has been talked about by politicians in a way that is like heartfelt and very much more humanized um, in like, what are we all going to do together? You don't see the effects of the, like the most negative effects of it as much. You don't see see imagery of you know somebody who can't function that's like drooling in their own couch or staggering into the doctor's office and and stuff like that like you would in the in the crack epidemic what you see what I see what I observe in my expert observing is hugging it out um tears support 
um, support groups, treatment, like there's this this understanding of if your son or daughter is is somehow on this opioids or like the pills that Tom was on, um, the the heroin or something like that there's like this understanding that it's really hard to hold it together with your your job, your family, um, because you're dealing with sleepless nights, car accidents, you're dealing with trips to the hospital, you're dealing with bailing someone out of jail, going to court and getting your son or daughter ready for court, having, having to somehow try to help them recover. You're dealing with um, financial stress from the, how, how much this all costs. And to, to be able to hold your job, to be able to stay in that job even takes a lot of support. And, and people's like have been, people's, people have been, it's, it's evident that people care in some of the states that are just really nailed by it. And, and I've heard people say, oh, this state is really hit hard by um, the opioid epidemic. I've heard that about so many states. I'm sure you have too. Um, I live here in Virginia. One that comes to mind is like West Virginia, and, and politicians will will they'll campaign with that as a big thing. I'm going to address this in a in a thoughtful way, and we're going to change laws. So the the contrast is you see laws being changed now. Um, the network that came out uh, that they built to make sure that doctors could kind of scan through and see if this patient got these pills anywhere else. Um, the dosing is different. The, I mean, pharmaceutical regulations are different. Um, there's an, there's like an outpouring of support for these things. Uh, we understand that people can be in the throes of this addiction easily, and we are very careful now. I mean, there's still drug companies probably just cranking stuff out in new ways. Um, who knows? I'm not here to talk about that, but I am just wanted to point out that um, that's something that I hope informs a little bit of how we go forward and think about things. One of my favorite sentiments is that, um, and it's more of a mindful revolution, post-mindful revolution way to uh, pivot your understanding is, I remember the politician Bernie Sanders said, one of his big things that he would say is part of the part of this shift is going to be an understanding of uh, drug addiction as a health issue and not as a criminal issue. Um, that is seems to be okay in some regards now with this opioid thing, and obviously with that, I was just talking about the eighties crack the former of these these two things we're analyzing a little bit somehow we're analyzing freaking drug epidemics um it it seems a little bit maybe we would have a little more sympathy like we do about the opioid thing we'd have a little sympathy of what it did to a family especially and and a lot of times a family that comes from a community that has less overall means. So the stress would have been amplified. Um, a working class job rather than any uh, white collar jobs um, has to be hung on to through those sleepless nights, through those that stress when, when somebody's completely changed personality-wise because of 
being in the grip of this addiction. Um, the the crazy like preying upon of somebody within that community of this Lord of the Flies type of thing that took place. I mean, there there are even uh, there's rap music like one of uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s famous songs, The Ten Crack Commandments, these things about, I mean, Jay-Z talks about how you're going to help yourself to get wealthy by dealing crack to those, you know, idiots who are going to be consumed and throw their lives away on the crack because they're addicted. So you can make yourself wealthy by being one of these low-level crack uh, dealers and taking your part in destroying this community um, because it's good to make yourself wealthy and not to be one of those people who are screwed so that type of thing further just ravaged places I mean if you if you listen to stories from like um, I, I, I watch a lot of college football and football in general and you hear stories about people growing up like you know north of Miami in some like country area or Something where it's just like, you know, dangerous because the people who who have, um, there's people who are addicted to things and people who are dealing to them. And, man, it's uh, it's more than just uh, can be fixed with just say no. And maybe that type of, the recovery of that type of stronghold needs to have the same sympathetic support understanding, dissecting statistical analysis um, that we that we have in, in the, uh, the system that kind of helps people through the opioid epidemic. And man, that'd be kind of cool to see it really shift from efforts of criminalization to um, health to being a health issue. I mean, just think about it, like, the the just say no thing to criminalize was followed shortly thereafter by another phrase called three strikes and you're out, like the three strike rule. So you had this crazy addiction and you had both sides of it, the, both the addict and the dealer being being arrested taking taken out of the community put in jail then you had the three strike thing which put people in jail for a longer time um, with more stringent results too in the jail and then you had the effort of subsidizing big private prison companies which happened also like in the 90s right after that like there's this big push that we need more prisons and there's not enough money to build them to, so they can sub- sustain themselves. So it's in our interest to support financially those private prison systems and a lot of them. Because we have that three-strike rule and there are you know, people who are going to get arrested and hauled in there. Um, hopefully that makes you realize one of the things that Tom was talking about was just what happens to you when you have any kind of a criminal record about how hard it is to find a damn job. And that's something we're, we're going to have to think about, how to help, help in that situation. Well, one of the fundamental ways of hopefully pivoting is to 
I don't know. I don't know. We all got to think about it together and hopefully let it inform how we think about the history of of that um, of the inner city poor neighborhoods that are still trying to recover from that as we also think about uh, the results of any new epidemic that comes along like that when uh, people need each other. Maybe the answer is to if you do arrest somebody who's a, like a dealer instead of pouring money into finding out who their supplier was and and uh, and having all those efforts and millions of dollars finding out larger suppliers maybe have those millions of dollars to say hey don't we're not don't uh, plea bargain to tell us who your supplier is but plea bargain to tell us who you who your customers are who you sold this to so who so we can help so to help us find the uh, the people who actually need the help and spend the millions of dollars there, so that's where your plea bargain maybe could come in. Hopefully, I don't know. Oh, so thank you so much for listening to that rambling and some of the types of things that I think about when uh, when I think. What do you think about when you think? Are you uh, you know? into that same type of uh, cultural observation that I'm always talking about. What's a cultural observation you're into? Please tell me. We can analyze it. We can analyze it together. And uh, as always, God bless and namaste. I Mexico, in the hot joints, taking the pill.